spill. Trill, 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 spill, trill, spill, trill, spill, trill, 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 spill, spill, trill, trill, spill, trill, spill, trill, 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 spill, trill, trill, spill, trill, 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 spill, trill, spill. Trill spill with will. Welcome to another episode of Trill Spill. I'm Will. And uh, that's uh, David, David Sanborn. If you hear some piano keys, that's Bob James. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This album is called Double Vision. Another one of my favorite pieces of vinyl. This came out in 1986, so that's where we at. But um, we're here again. My apologies for anybody I offended on my last episode. Anybody. Anybody. That was not my intention. But I meant every word. Every single word. So we're not going to rehash that. That's not what this episode's about. This episode, because I've been trying to actually live what I've been speaking, practice what I've been preaching, I've been getting busy. And um, one of the things I've been getting busy on is the screenplays that I've been writing. And um, I think that's what this episode's going to be. It's another installment of the writer's block. So I don't know exactly... What I'm going to read, I'm still trying to figure that out. But whatever it is, just know that it's mine. You know? But, uh... Thanks for, uh... Tuning in. Well, they say you could be anywhere in the world. But you're here with me. 
And I surely appreciate it. And grind this up. Yeah. So, y'all, I'm going to roll up. Y'all sit back, pull up, roll up, do whatever you do. Um, um, We're going to get into it. And, uh. I like that. That's why I shut up. I was just listening to it. But anyway, 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 anyway. Man, I did jam. Anyway, we'll be right back. Like I said, we're going to take a quick break. Of the writer's block. 
If you don't know, if this is your first time, this is where we, we sit back and we listen to Will give us quips and quotes from some of his latest literary works. And you all know how we feel about black literature here at Drills, Bill. It keeps us lit. So without further ado, I will let young William take the reins. I believe, I believe he's reading from a screenplay he's dubbed At the Seams. Let's see what he's got for us, shall we? What's going on, y'all? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Um, yeah, Reginald, he's right. He's right. I think I am going to read from At the Seams, which, uh, you know, it's about a, I guess there would be two antagonists. We got Max and we got Tashima. And uh, Max has a best friend named Aria. Tashima has a best friend named Dez. There's a lot of shit going on. I read uh, the, from the first episode of this uh, series um, in book one. This, this is the end of book one. So I guess I'm calling it episode four. So I'm skipping around. Y'all just going to have to wait um, for me to drop it. In its entirety, or you guys can just hit me up and and let me know that you guys want me to read the whole thing. Um, I just got to figure out a way to pitch it. But anyway, little uh, just a little story I came up with. But anyway, let me let me light this incense and roll up. Well, not rolled up, already rolled up. I meant filed. But hold on. All right. Let go to incense. That's good. Episode four, scene one. We open to a car. Two men, Max and the Uber driver, are conversing while they smoke. Max, right. It's not like I smashed her. All the, are, are the streets still saying that? Smash, smash, smash. Why Why do we have so many synonyms for sex? What's your favorite one? Uber driver. Well, to be honest, 
I'm a romantic, otherwise known as a bitch. Um, but you didn't ask me that. If I really think about it, though, I still use make love when it comes to the horizontal poker. Max, ain't no love, bitch. And I don't like Smash. Well, what did your cousin sell us? Anyway, Smash. I don't want to say that. Or fuck anymore. Fuck. Fuck. Listen to that. That's how. I, what is that? I need an alternative. That sounds weird, right? Fuck. Fuck. Overdriver. Hey, man. I told you. I wouldn't steer you wrong, but you gotta dial it down a notch. Enough is enough. Are you going to this meeting or not? Because my girl just got her feet done and I'm trying to go rub on her booty before my next fair. Max. Startled by the mental image that he just received and confused as to why he felt comfortable saying it to him. He looks into his rear view mirror. Yeah, slide on by the station. I'll check it out, but don't leave. It's probably going to be quicker than you think. Uber driver. Um, I don't think you heard me. I'm going to see my lady and her toes, sir. You're on your own on this one, player. What's the worst that can happen? Man, are you negative like this all the time? That shit going to give you herpes. The ladies must love you. Flashback. Now we're on the inside of Marcus's apartment. Max. He's gotten fired from his day job. So Max is stuck. Max is most of all broke. The next conversation is one that Max has been avoiding for months. But little does he know. It's about to take his life in a brand new direction and change it forever. Marcus. So now you want to hustle? Max. Nah, not really. I just want to smoke for free while I pay a couple bills and when to get back on my feet. Marcus. Mm-hmm. Heard it all before. And yo, who is that? Yeah. Who's that in the car out there? You know I don't like you bringing folks to my house, Max. Max. Who? Shima? Man, that's my dog. I've known her forever. Anyway, you gonna help me out or no? And don't rap me to death about only hitting you up when I need something. I hate when you do that shit. Marcus. I'll make you a deal. You introduce me to your homegirl. And I'll give you this shit. No strings attached. Max pauses and looks out the window to the car while he tries to figure out Marcus's angle. Feeling like he's making a mistake, he hesitantly nods his head while looking at Shima through the window and responds dryly to Marcus. Eh. Mm. Yeah, I can do that. End scene. Episode four, scene two. 
Another flashback inside a moving car. Leaving Marcus's house, Tashima and Max start a conversation. Shima, so how do you know who was that? Marcus? You said his name was? Max. <clears throat> eh. I've known him my whole life. We went to school together and our mamas worked with each other. Why? He laughed sarcastically. <laughs> you thinking about his proposition? Shima. Hush. Okay? I don't know. I can tell he does stuff on the side. Why'd you need me to bring you over here anyway? You never mentioned him to me at all. Well, he seems cool enough, though. Max. We have some unfinished business to square away, but yeah, he alright. He's got his ways, but who doesn't? Tashima. Dang, being pretty guarded about this. Why are you acting all cagey? Is, is, is that the weed? She laughs, but she's not joking. She's trying to read Max's body language. She knows her friend extremely well. And she feels like there's something that he isn't telling her. Hell, if that's the case, let me hit the joint. Max, nope. Hits the joint and laughs. <laughs> For real, though. I, I know when you start asking me a bunch of questions, it's because your gears are turning, Shima. If I wasn't a fool, I'd say you're thinking about going on a date with this nigga. He smell like money, and I've never seen a woman resist that. Shima punches Max in the arm. Don't you ever, and I mean ever, try me like the I'm like the rest of these people out here. The man's attractive, but it has nothing to do with his money. Max, yeah, yeah, whatever, lady, tell me anything. He smirks at his friend and he hits the joint again. I'm not fucking with you, Shiwa. I, I, I just don't want you to get hurt because your expectations don't match reality. Shima, I feel you, but I'm a big girl, Max. Go ahead and give him my number. I know he asked you for it. I'm due for something new, and I deserve to get spoiled. Max, I hear you, kid. Just don't say I didn't warn you. And if, no, when you guys have any issues, I don't want to hear about any of it. They both laugh. Tashima, <laughs> boy, you lucky I love your extra black ass. Am I dropping you off at Janelle's or Max? Nah, uh-uh, nah. I'm cool. Just take me to the crib and I'll holla at you later. We can work on this book. This shit is taking me forever. End scene. So good at being in trouble Spending my days out in the ghetto Mama say that I need to be careful Going downtown on the Blue Line Metro Car overheated in the can't afford a rental 
broke down Chevrolet sitting on Central <laughs> Turning up my headphones, looking out the window Laura Hill playing, it could be so simple Damn, I just can't wait till I get on what the hell is taking so long? I wish I had a girl by my side I wish I had a brand new ride I wish I had a light I wish I had a private flight I wish I born a star sometime I wish I had a right I wish I had the finer things I wish it wasn't so Cobain I wish I had you Shit And I wish I wasn't stuck on Central Just so good at being in trouble Spending my days out in the ghetto Papa say that I need to be careful Heard a nigga just got popped at the Arco Rolls on the hostro, junkies on Narcos Long Beach, Compton, Watts to South Central Episode 4 Scene 3 Another flashback Inside Shima's condo while she talks to Dez Dez I'm just saying Shima Talk to him He seemed pretty flustered and I've never seen him act like that before It kind of creeped me out And I'm a little concerned Shima, now think about it, Dez, but you don't understand. He tried me, and he really tried Marcus. Sometimes you don't know this, but Max is arrogant as fuck, and he thinks he knows everything. Dez, takes one to know one, champ. Shima, the fuck does that mean? Dez, don't take it the wrong way, but it means that you act exactly how you say he acts. You think you know what's going on, but based on what Max told me, I don't think you do. Please, just talk to him, Shima. Shima. Okay, all right. Hey, man. I'll, I'll go over there before I meet up with Marcus, but I'm telling you, Dez, if I smell bullshit, I'm going to call bullshit. Dez, makes no difference to me. I just think you need to talk to him. The scene flips, and we're inside Max's apartment as he talks to Marcus. Max, did you hear anything I just said to you, nigga? Marcus, watch your tone, kid. Max, nigga, fuck a tone. You acting like this shit ain't serious. These motherfuckers was outside my mama house. Just sitting there. I looked at them. They looked at me and just... Sat there. When I walked over to the car, they didn't leave. They asked me about Shima. That shit don't worry you at all? Marcus laughs insultingly at Max. What the hell? What the hell you scared of? I'll handle Shima. You just... A knock at the door freezes the scene, and we find ourselves downstairs once again at the front desk of the radio station present day. Shima who's visibly surprised and shaken. Uh, Marcus? The fuck? I mean, what are you 
doing here? I thought you were still locked up. When they let you out? Marcus, don't act like that, Shimo. I've been hitting you up for weeks and you have, you've been ignoring all my calls and my texts. Shimo, yeah, I guess. Well, how, how you been? They exchange an awkward hug while Shima tries to frantically piece all of this together. Where was Max? How did Marcus find her? What did he want? And more importantly, where in the fuck is Max? She glares at the receptionist and the receptionist returns the same look with a confused shoulder shrug. At that precise moment, the doors open and a shadowy figure slides into the middle of everybody. Tashima. Oh, shit. Max. The three of them just stand there, even the receptionist. Nobody moves and nobody talks, but Max and Marcus glare at each other while Tashima tries to figure them both out. How did this happen? Why didn't Max just text her back, she thought. Suddenly, she needed a drink. End scene. I pray them stop pretending that I ain't him, I ain't them Them some dumpling I remember when you start dying Them silver hairs and start hiding from your age I ask why how come, amazing how time can run Away from us, I'm no nun, you're no priest But I promise, hun, you gon' see a phenomenon Come with me like it's Ramadan I don't eat like it's Comic-Con, I'm a freak for you, yeah, yeah. 
begging now, pretty please with cherries on top. Harry with twat, Harry, get tough man, don't give up. And if your gut tells you to strut, then strut, then I'll hail you a car, but what man won't beg? You know I'm nutmeg, I will show up on a little moped with a little puffy, it'll be fluffy. We will untough and we can discuss it. You know I'm suffering, I don't miss my friend, I don't like my fan. Bent up till I come well, that's ill if I'm sweet stuff. Willow on quick stuff, fill along leaks that minimum week. Gon' get along, peace and intercom. Jesus, been along, peace. I am me, I'm please, please, I'm feeling dumb, please, I'm feeling dumb, please, I'm feeling dumb. That was the end of book one. Um, let me know. Um, and I'll give you, you guys can hit me up and I'll give you in book one in its entirety, all four episodes. But um, this is the beginning of book two. Which, whew, it's one hell of a rabbit hole. But anyway, this is episode one, scene one. Of book two at the scenes. Flashback. Inside of Max's apartment, him and Aria sit at the table while they smoke and bag up marijuana. Aria. No, I'm telling you, you gotta watch it again. Monsters Inc. is an ode to American society and how we're controlled by fear, Max. Max. Wow. Really? You sound ridiculous. Aria. I don't care. Watch it again. The monsters are manufacturing and harnessing fear. Power from the scares. The screams of human children literally power their world. But if you pay attention, the monsters are more scared of the humans than the humans are afraid of them. And they're only kids. Max. So, what does that mean, Aria? Nigga, what? What do you mean, what does that mean? The monsters are the government, the establishment, the powers that be. They scare the humans who represent the general public, who act like children. Then they turn around and they control us with our fears to empower themselves. I don't get how you don't see that. What, isn't that like socialism versus capitalism or something? Max. So, who's the little girl supposed to be? Aria. You got to be the dumbest, smart nigga I know. The little girl is the part of society that asks questions. The conspiracy theorists, the whistleblowers, people like that. She hits the joint. Boo represents all of the people that see through the bullshit. It's only instinct for her because she hasn't been here long enough to be jaded by society yet. She's just exploring, finding the truth as it comes. She also represents the future if we wake up and stop being controlled by the things that we fear. Max. But wait, that doesn't even make sense. She hangs out with the monsters the entire movie. I thought you came over here to help me out, Arya. Damn, all you doing is smoking my weed. Aria, you got a lot of questions for somebody who doesn't care. When the two monsters try to scare her for the first time, it doesn't work. And that freaks them out. Her curiosity trumped her fear of the monsters. And for a split second, you see just how vulnerable the monsters are. And you get a real glimpse into their world and realize that they're being fed lies too. You also see the fear they have of the humans in real time. She scares them.
But they're the monsters, which really represents the people with opposing opinions and fucked up morals. She says, boo, and that becomes her name for the rest of the movie. But she says, boo, because she understood who they are, but they can't figure out who she is. She was the key to their enlightenment. She wasn't judging. She was just loving. Once that wall is broken, the rest of the movie is showing us that we, as the people, hold more weight than we're aware of. And the establishment would be nothing without us. The people. It's an in-depth look at fear-mongering and how it can be combated by simply refusing to succumb to our fears. Not to mention, every time they go into that hallway, there's an eyeball on the floor. Max. He stares at Arya blankly, which suggests that she's a weirdo. And he's really trying to figure out how they've remained friends for this long. Max. You, my friend, have smoked yourself into idiocracy. Arya, emphatically. That's a dope-ass movie, too. Max, get out. Arya. I'm not going anywhere. Anyway. You still dealing with, uh, what's-her-face? Max, uh, I'm really not sure what's going on with that. One minute, it feels like she's all the way in, and then the next minute, we're east and west. Aria, sounds like you two just need some alone time to me. When's the last time you really put it in a life? They both laugh. Max, how are we still friends? Don't ever say that to me again. And no, I don't think it's that. The sex part is A1, but to be honest, I feel like there are some things that she's not telling me. Aria, mmm, oh, okay. Well, we all have skeletons somewhere. In scene. Ah. <laughs> ah, yes. Another one in the books. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. I, I myself, I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I love when Will drops by and gives us a piece of his mind and a piece of his heart with his art. Yes, yes. But, uh, how did you all like it? Seems to be getting a little interesting. All the talk of Monsters, Inc. Ooh, it was quite intriguing. Yes. But, but, I would like to thank you all for stopping by the writer's block. Let me check. Is he, is Will, is he coming? He's not, no, he's not coming back? Oh, Will. Well, I guess that leaves it up to me. On behalf of the good people here at Trill Spill, and on behalf of Will, this is your companion and friend, Reginald Melancholy III, signing off. Toodaloo.